0: What's up, nerds? This is Just a Couple Arslings, a Last Kingdom podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Toomer. And I am Melissa Fixie. We are writers for Sci Fi Wires
1: fangirls who started recapping The Last Kingdom in season three. So we decided to bring that nerdy, horny energy to Podcast Landia. So, yes. Yes. So this episode is kind of a special one because it's the first one that we are recording after the show has started being released.
0: Yeah, you guys have heard our voices. You know, the amount of bullshitting we do. And uh, it feels like you really know us now. It's kind of weird. Yeah. And I i don't know about you, but
1: I have not been able to listen to a full episode because I, oh no. I hate the sound of my voice. I listened to a little bit of one and it was basically a really intense sign that I say the word like too much and the Ugh. phrase 100%. So I need to kind of curb that in myself, but also I'm not going to worry too much about it because I don't want to ruin our flow.
0: Look, and also, like, just... To let everyone know, we do know <laughs> um, how terrible we sound. I, I don't know it's why not, I was given a podcast. You know, <laughs> I think
1: I wouldn't say that we're more terrible than anybody else. I just think it's really hard to listen to a recording of your own voice.
0: Yeah, there's some kind of psychology going on behind that. I think.
1: Yeah, it's super weird. Whenever I do an interview, I always send it out to Rev to be. Oh yeah. To be transcribed because I cannot. I cannot bear to listen to my own voice for that long yeah
0: rev is like the savior of every journalist that i know because no one likes to hear their own voice unless i guess you know you're a psychopath an actor yeah a psychopath <laughs> i was gonna say like someone who does that professionally right. like james Earl jones i don't know maybe he doesn't like his own voice yeah um
1: james Earl jones i feel like even james Earl jones would be like uh maybe i'm uh, too I deep today <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, well, speaking of, that's, that's a real, such that's, a good that's segue. Actually a really good segue. We're <laughs> <laughs> getting so fucking good at these guys. For, for it's Barry, insane.
1: Right, we're good at um, segues.
0: We want to talk about the new Star Wars trailer, just for a yeah, little bit. Why not? Right, for shits and giggles. So like, let's do it. You know,
1: we have the geek out section, but I feel like Star Wars is such a cultural phenomenon, and we write for a geeky site, so I feel like Star Wars, tr- Star Wars transcends the geek out section. Because it's such yeah. a big deal, and this is the last one in the Skywalker saga, oh, Rise of it's Skywalker. Like heartbreaking. I know Rise of Skywalker is like it's the end, sort of. There's a lot
0: writing on this one. There's a yeah, lot writing on this one. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of, you know, like there's obviously there's some nostalgia, and you know it's sentimental to watch any of these movies Very now, much. but. But I think this one is definitely, at least from that trailer, it's like really kind of cashing in on that, like knowing that we're going to uh, ball our eyes out, and they just want to help us along. And the trailer for uh, the latest trailer that they premiered during Monday Night Football, I think. I didn't watch it during football. I just watched it I on do Twitter. Not watch- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw it on Twitter the next day. Um but there were some some hardcore fans that sat through that football game to watch that trailer. So we we salute you. Right. Um but yeah, it was very emotional. I was I was kind of surprised. Yeah, it looks it looked beautiful.
1: I don't understand Gorgeous. the science behind some of it because it looks like they're like riding space horses on a spaceship, which I'm very into. But also You're horse girl, I know. I, I, know. I immediately Finn, thought of you Finn, when I saw those space horses. Right, <laughs> Finn is the horse girl of Star Wars, and that's why I feel real kinship with him. But it just <laughs> you know, I think it's going to be big. I I really I have a lot of hopes and dreams pinned on this. And there's probably no way that it'll all work out without me being disappointed in some way. But my biggest thing is I really hope they don't retcon um, The Last Jedi saying that Rey doesn't have special parents. I hope they allow her to just be special and be the chosen one because of who she is, not because of who her parents are. I would really I would really love that if that stayed.
0: The Last Jedi gets a lot of shit, which I I don't understand because I, I, I honestly think it's one movies. of the best of the the
1: series. I think I would rank it like just after Empire. I love, yeah, I love the Last Jedi. It was so, so good, much good
0: in there, yeah. But that probably for me was the best thing about that movie mm. was that she it was kind of revealed that she she's been searching for her parentage for so long, and it was revealed that they're you know, they're not, they're not, they're nothing, but they're nothing special. You know what I mean? As opposed to someone like Kylo Ren, who's his dad's Han Solo, his mom's Leia. I mean, it just felt, it felt so real and so honest, which is, you know, Star Wars is this kind of crazy thing where we're having like shootouts in the galaxy and, and people can move things with their mind and there's just so much sci-fi and stuff going on. But it was so nice to like have that kind of really human moment of, you know, I've been looking for these people and trying to figure out who I am. And it turns out like they're just normal people. And my, you know, my sense of self doesn't have to to depend on them at all. Right. And and I think it opens up, you know, the larger universe for for, you know, kids looking at Ray and thinking like, oh, you have to be special to to be special. But you don't, you know, it's I don't know. It really I loved that moment. And I hope that I I have a lot of faith in J.J. Abrams, so hopefully he won't. Here's the thing. I have a lot of
1: faith in J.J. Abrams in some ways, but in terms of writing a satisfying ending, I'm not sure that I do.
0: Lost has fucked you up. It's, you know,
1: (laughs) I just, (laughs) I, we'll see. We'll see. Like, I really liked um, The Force Awakens. I thought it was a really great movie, so I'm... You know, and I like his his Star Trek movies, too, or at least two of them. Two out of three are pretty good. Um, But I just, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot riding on it. And like we said, it's a beautiful trailer. But Star Wars, I mean, I don't remember a time not loving Star Wars, you know. Mm. And so I, it, it means a lot to me. And I just, I really hope he sticks the landing. But if he doesn't, it's not like this is the end of Star Wars. You know, you've got the, right, you've got yeah. the Mandalorian coming up. You've got the um, Obi-Wan Kenobi show, the Cassian Andor show. Like, Star Wars isn't going anywhere. But this is just wrapping up this particular family this story. Is what,
0: wrapping up, yeah, the Skywalker story, which is, you know. Modern myth.
1: It's it's that's epic. A
0: big one. That's a big one. Yeah. And we've got... I ha- we have to talk a little bit about Reylo um because okay. that's where my heart rests. You know, I Are you a Reylo stan or no? Okay, so here's
1: the thing. I love the sexual tension between Ray and Kylo Ren. I sure. want them to act on that, but I also want her to kill him by the end of the movie. So right. like He should
0: die by the end. Right.
1: So I'm sort of a Raylo, but I don't want a happy ending for Raylo. I just want them to make out I know they like won't like hook
0: up well I then, know they
1: won't bone because it's Star Wars no, it's and Star it's Wars. very chaste but give me like a big make out moment and then I don't know she cuts off his head with her own light with his own lightsaber something like okay, that okay
0: that's I could get down with that's, that that's that's, that's, <laughs> that's more how I feel about
1: Raylo, but it's it's mostly just like yeah. It's the it's, Adam Driver it's effect. It's the Adam Driver effect. and It's real. Everybody in that trailer was so good looking. Like everybody's mm, hot in that movie. Gosh. It's a lot. It's a lot. Like oh. you've got Oscar Isaac there Oscar with his Isaac
0: scarf. Eth- ethnic hips. Yes. Did you see that? I did. Um, I did.
1: Where okay. he didn't fit into um, Harrison Ford's chair because of his hips. Yeah. Yeah. I respect it. And Mm -hmm. like Finn has gone from like cute to like, okay, he's got like a chiseled jaw. He's a man now. And then. Yeah. John Boyega. John Boyega. So cute. Love him. And then, you know, you've got Adam Driver, who is just so large.
0: (laughs) BDE. Right. I mean, (laughs) there's just something. Yeah. Everyone's looking good. Right. And it's Star Wars. Yeah, I know. I want everyone to, like, get their due and to have their time. And I'm going to be yeah. crushed
1: if anybody dies, but, like, I know somebody will.
0: Oh, people will die for sure. I,
1: I know. It's too much. It's too much. Speaking of people dying, let's get into The Last Kingdom. <laughs> Segway! <laughs> I really liked this episode because there's so much ugh, just like cattiness at the beginning. But then it just really, it really s- segues again into some really unpleasant stuff for fled And our queen deserves better than that. There can be no bloodshed here. We are all mistaken and we are all proud. What
0: men say is true. You behave as if you were still at your mother's tit. Yeah, so we start off, and, you know, cutesy is not a word we use to describe the show often, but it is, like, a cutesy little scene of Uhtred and Gisla kind of, like, frolicking in, the, frolicking in the lake. and It's cute. You know, it's, it's cute. It's, it's allowed yeah, to be cute. It's it's nice. And, like, on a logical level, I know this, like, adds a layer to their relationship and their romance, and it's nice to get to see them kind of have some downtime. Mm. Um, the cavewoman in me it's just like oh let's see more of Uhtred's six-pack and it's clean <laughs> so that's really working for me but it like it kind of ends very quickly yeah I think thanks to Athelred who is just such a dick this episode yeah
1: you know there's always been sort of that like simmering unpleasantness beneath the surface with Athelred and it really it really comes to a head in this episode and you see exactly what his ambitions are and exactly what he's willing to do to achieve them and it's not a great look
0: no he's he goes from kind of being this like bratty spoiled little boy to to being this really nasty individual who can inflict real harm on people and He's got this sense of entitlement. Now he's got this sense of kind of power and that he's protected uh, because he marries uh, uh, Aethelflaed this episode. And uh, yeah, when when people like that are given some power and they're given status, it's never a good thing.
1: You know, not to bring up Game of Thrones again, but I feel like the shows have a lot in common. But he very much reminds me of Joffrey when he was still engaged Mm. to Sansa. And you know... She has been raised with this idea that she's going to have a lord as a husband and it'll be great. And that's just what she's been raised to do and to, you know, be seen as a political pawn and like be a princess. That's what she's been raised to do. And, you know, she's got this idea of, you know, who her prince will be. And outwardly, Athelred acts very much like he's going to be that prince, like he's sweet to her when they're, you know, in public. And he's, you know, he's got the blonde hair and the, you know. Cheek, Toby Regbo, che- man. Cheekbones like, or whatever, but he, you know, behind that sort of sheen is a real sadistic nature and that sucks.
0: I say this with so much love to Toby <laughs> Regbo. He does a great job. But fuck you, Toby Regbo, because <laughs> you're not allowed to look that sweet and innocent and have those baby curls and wear these gorgeous house robes just like that are giving me such fall vibes right and then turn around and be such a psychopath well, I mean it's not fair
1: it is and it's funny when they're getting married I think it was Athelwald who calls him a pretty bread pudding of a boy
0: yeah oh no he's he's like he called him bread pudding yeah I think yeah he calls him a pretty um, pretty bread pudding
1: is, of a boy which is so
0: apt very apt <laughs> <laughs> who wants to bone bread pudding?
1: Not, Not I, me. Alyssa. No. But you know, it's and you've got there's so much going on, like there's the wedding happening, but there's so many like different dynamics going on sort of behind the scenes as they're watching it. Like you've got Uhtred and Finnin and Citric who are literally like sitting there watching the wedding and also planning, hey, we can't tell Athelwald that we know that the speaking corpse is a lie, because then he'll tell Siegfried and the whole gig will be up. So they're planning all of that while there's a wedding going on. And then Athelwald, you know, comes rocking up and is like, Hey dudes, are we still gonna be kings together? Because a corpse said so. And it's just I love <laughs> I love all the different dynamics going on in one scene. It's so good.
0: Poor Athelwald. He's like that dude that it's like, you've made plans with your friends, but then your friends have like group texted without you and made Uh, other plans and you roll up and you're like hey are we still doing this and we're like nah Um, like we made other
1: plans bye and we don't have a ticket for you
0: (laughs) yeah exactly it's it's sad i I feel for him but then at the same time you're putting your hopes um in like a talking corpse so you're an idiot right Um, very
1: stupid and also at the same time you've got alfred who's watching this whole thing go down and you can see that in his heart he knows that Athelred is a bad man. He knows that Athelred is not gonna be a good husband to Athelfled, but at the same time he's like convinced himself he's a godly man. It'll be fine. It'll be mm. fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. I need to make this, you know, political move. But you know that he knows. You can tell. Yeah.
0: It'll be fine for you, dude. Right. It's not
1: going to be fine for her. Right. He looks crushed through the entire wedding, which is like not the mood that you want when you're getting married. And it's just I Alfred, again, ambition and not having any qualms about using other people to accomplish it is such a dangerous thing. And you can really see Alfred struggling against that. But losing that battle with himself.
0: Well, let's jump to a happier wedding that takes place before the legit um, wedding between Aethelrod and Aethelfled. Uh Tira and Beoka Yeah, get hitched this episode. That was really nice. That was
1: nice. Like, like a palate cleanser. I don't quite understand how Bioka is allowed to get married because he's a priest, right? Like, I feel like they're not...
0: Right. Is this, like, Catholic church level of strictness where it's, like you know, you need to stay... Se- I don't know. I thought it was. I yeah, thought it was... well, it seemed
1: like a thing with every other priest that we've met is, like, celibate. But I guess right. Bayoka's like, the number mm. one priest, so he gets to have an <laughs> exception. <laughs> um, but, yeah, them getting married was really nice. It was just a sweet moment. And Tira's been through so much, and he's very gentle with her. And she... I actually... I'll talk a bit more about Tira towards the end, but I love how... Mm. Her gentleness is so apparent in every single interaction she has with everybody, and it just—it yeah. was really—it's nice to see them get married and find a little happiness together.
0: Yeah, she deserves it, and you know yeah. Ethelfla deserves it too, and she does not get it. She doesn't. Um, it's rough. It's, <laughs> it's her her arc, especially this episode, is really hard to watch because I mean I knew the things that were coming. And so, honestly, I skipped, I skipped through some things. Yeah. Um, Because it's just, like, I just don't need to see more, like, rape on TV. And I understand why. And it's done uh, much more tastefully than in other shows. But, it's just like, the whole, it's such a build-up, right? So he's, like, climbing this ladder because he's putting her down. He's telling her what she can't do. He's making her feel so inferior. And then, the kind of cherry on top is, you know, also it's your wedding night and I'm just going to be such a dick to you and, you know, assault you in this way. Sure. And ugh, I hate I hate that for her.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, there's that whole scene like, first of all, before we get to the unpleasantness, we do meet the baby mm-hmm. monk, which is just the <gasps> uh, best. Baby Osforth. Uh, Osforth showing up. We love Osbourn. He looks okay. exactly like Bo Burnham, and that kind of throws me every <laughs> single time. But yeah, the
0: Monk version of Bo Burnham. Exactly. No, I, I I swear I must have been high. I blacked this out. I don't know. But this first uh, watch that we did when we were just kind of recapping for Sci-Fi Wear Fangirls, um, I completely forgot that Baby Monk was Leo, Leo nephew. Nef- nephew and. He's Alfred's bastard's son. I remembered the Alfred's bastard
1: thing, but I forgot about Leofritch's nephew and that really that really explains why Uhtred is so willing to like add him to the yes. crew right away because yeah. you know he had that bond with Layerbridge and they were besties and yeah it's,
0: this is a solid he's doing for him, even though he's not here. It's so sweet, right? Um, but yeah, there was a moment when he's kind of, we kind of meet him and we we see his connections to everyone, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, did I know this before? <laughs> you know, maybe I skipped over this part. I don't know, but yeah, he's he's going to be part of the group, and he becomes such like a, uh, he's such a sweet presence in that group. He's so, you know, he wants to be a warrior, but he's clearly just so soft and, and everybody's a good influence. Sure,
1: But I also like that, you know, yes, he's softer than the other men in the Cook'em crew, but they're also so very fond of him that they don't, like, try to, like, beat that softness out of him. You know what I mean? Like, oh, no, they
0: embrace it. They
1: embrace it. Like, yeah, they tease him, but really, they wouldn't want the baby monk to be any other way.
0: Look, if I, by the end of this show, if I don't get some kind of Recognition of the bond between Baby Monk and our boy Finnan. Yeah, I'm gonna be real pissed it's, off. <laughs> it's
1: cute. It's really nice. There's a
0: bromance there. It's that's true. Just building.
1: You know where there's not a bromance building is Alfred and Utred again. I was invited to Daneland, Lady, to Paddington, and there I was asked to join with Siegfried and Eric. I was offered the kingdom of Mercia.
0: Ha! And your response? He's here, is he not? say that is response enough
1: after finding out that he went over into daneland you know alfred calls him up uh, before him and athelred and really wants to make this wedding even more awkward than weddings are and is like hey man why did you go to daneland and Ushred's you know he doesn't tell him everything but he's pretty honest with him you know what i mean like he tells him you know i heard that you know, Siegfried and Eric were back and I went and found out they took London and it's really bad. And, you know, it's a good thing I went to Daneland so that we know this stuff. And at the same time, Alfred is like, but why are you even doing that? Why are you even doing this? Why can't I trust you? Blah, blah, blah. And I really liked Otta in this scene because he was like, hey, Uhtred's here and he's always Come back to you. So why are you still so suspicious of him doing anything ever? And
0: yet he is here, Lord. Doing what? Spying, waiting. Did he volunteer this information before being confronted? No, he did not. No, no. Ask yourself why. He is a sword I would rather wield than face, but he is not godly and never shall be.
1: It's so frustrating because it's so. It's so one note of Alfred that he does this every single time when Uhtred really ultimately has never given him a reason to doubt his loyalty.
0: Yeah. And it's really interesting to see um, to see ought be like his his cheerleader in a way. Yeah. And I think it's because I think Alfred's biggest flaw to me is just how pious he is and mm-hmm. how, it, you know, I think his his faith is it's. Something that blinds him mm-hmm. to people um, that are really, you know, his allies and and his friends. And Uhtred could be, you know, such a a big help to him in re- in realizing this vision of a unified England. But he constantly kind of throws a hurdle in that path because Uhtred doesn't believe the same way he believes. And for Alfred, that's just the biggest kind of insult, yeah. you know. And it's so it's like. It's so interesting to kind of reckon with who Alfred is, because on one hand, he's willing to kind of sell his daughter off to this guy. He knows he's not a good guy, but he's a Christian, so mm-hmm. it should be cool. Right. On the other hand, he's got this warrior who has proven himself time and time again, helped him kind of take back his, his throne and been there for him in the darkest moments. Mm-hmm. And because he won't, like, get on his knees and pray with him in the church, like, he's always going to be suspicious of him. And that's just, I mean, it's so sad for Alfred and for Uhtred, it's just very frustrating. And I don't blame Uhtred for starting to, you know, kind of tired of that. I, I would be, yeah, I would be so tired.
1: Yeah. And you know, there's that scene, that whole scene at the wedding feast is so uncomfortable to watch because it also, again, shows how awful Athelred is because he's so rude to Uhtred. And then, you know, sort of that, um, the contrast between how Athelred treats Athelflaed, which is just crazy to say, Athelred, Athelflaed, the tongue twister. Too many Athels. Too many <laughs> Athels. Um, how he treats her and how Uhtred treats her is so stark because, you know, she, you know she's, she's been raised to be a princess, but she's also, you know, she's very aware of things that are going on in the kingdom. And she's sort of learned at her father's feet, like how to be a ruler. So she has questions because she thinks about stuff like that. And, you know, Uhtred is, you know, obviously delighted at her interests and is, you know, totally willing to walk her through stuff. And Atherod is like, hey, shut up. You're you're just a girl. Shut up. Please don't be a part of this. Actually, he doesn't say please. That would be entirely too nice. But he just (laughs) like out of character, uh, very out of character. (laughs) But he's so belittling to her in front of everybody that it just if he's willing to be that dismissive of her in public, like it's even you know
0: it's not going to be good it's going to be even behind worse closed doors. exactly exactly yeah agreed and it's I, you know it's a thing of obviously there's some envy and jealousy there mm-hmm. and that kind of rears its ugly head later yeah. with the accusations that he makes but it's just it's not a good look dude i mean at, at this point if if your goal is to to rule mercia again and then to also kind of be king of England and take over, you know, Alfred's spot. Mm-hmm. L- your biggest ally in that is going to be your wife. right? So right. you should be treating her a lot better than you are. But it's that kind of, you know, it's the misogyny coming out in him, sure. thinking that she's just a woman and she doesn't have a role to play. But there's so much that she could do. I, I mean, obviously, Aethelflaed is very smart, very capable But even if she wasn't, even if even if the role she played was kind of a conduit between him and Alfred and and kind of shoring up that bond and making things uh, more reliable between them, he should just be treating her a lot better than he is. Yeah. And I think it's just ignorance and
1: yeah well there's this moment he's
0: a psychopath
1: yeah and there's this moment where he says to her you are no longer the king's daughter you are my wife and it is me who you will obey so he doesn't even see her value in like getting him closer to her father he just wants her to do what's what he says and nobody else and so that that kind of you know control is such a red flag my dear It's not your place to involve yourself in a conversation that became an informal witten. We were discussing matters of land and war. Lord, I take an interest in these matters. My father has always encouraged... You are no longer the king's daughter. You are my wife. It's me you will obey. You are delicate. I find it interesting. I would speak with the king often. You're of Mercia now. You are my queen. But yeah, you know, there's that conflict, and there's you know the conflict with Alfred and Uhtred because Alfred blames Uhtred for what's happening because he didn't outright kill Siegfried and Eric. You know, again, Ada has this you know conversation with Alfred when he tells him, you know, he is so valuable to this kingdom and he's done so much. Why would you push him away? And, you know, Alfred says to him, you know, he's a sword that I would rather wield than face, but he's not godly and he never will be, which is which is how Alfred sees Uhtred in a nutshell. A sword. Yeah. yeah a sword, but not to be trusted, but to be mm-hmm. used. And that sucks because Utred has proven that he's worth so much more than that. And it's just awful. So so, yeah, Athelred and Alfred decide to kind of shut Uhtred out of the battle plans, which is such a foolish move. It's Fucking such foolish. Idiots, move. idiots, dude.
0: Yeah. It's this episode is dude be dudes being idiots because yeah. they just I don't know I, it's so weird. The tension, there's so much tension in this episode anytime Alfred and Utrid and Ethelred are there. Yeah. And I, I some of it is is because Alfred thinks he can't trust Utrid. I think some of it is because both Alfred and Ethelred are, you know, envious of Uhtred and jealous of Uhtred. And, mm-hmm. you know, here's like this pagan that has people, you know, who are inspired by him and who uh, follow him. And he's got this kind of power that they can't seem to harness. You know what I mean? That right. People legitimately love Uhtred and I think well he's earned that yeah he's earned it but I think if you're someone like Ethelred, who's kind of has these aspirations to the throne and and wants to be loved Mm -hmm. to see someone like that who's so different from you have that it's just kind of a it's like a slap in the face and I think there's that's where that tension comes from with all three of them Mm -hmm. so They're not good allies at this point.
1: They're not, you know, because Alfred or not Alfred Uhtred and Athelred go to London to sort of assess the situation and see if they can pay Siegfried and Eric Silver to leave. And, you know, Athelred just assumes that he can waltz in there and fling his money around and they'll listen. But Uhtred, like he knows that that's not what they're looking for. And he knows that that's not going to be a course of action that works, but he respects Alfred enough to be like, all right, we can try negotiating, but this is not going to work.
0: Yeah. Bros and their egos, man. I mean, it's insane. It's really interesting because when they get to London, so this is where Siegfried and Eric are, mm-hmm. um, they're kind of like shored up. It's interesting because I think Siegfried, I've never, um, had much faith in but this episode i think eric really steps up and he's he's kind of playing a long game and he has that conversation with his brother where he's like you know we're not like raiding and pillaging right now i know that kind of sucks you know and you've got your arm that's hurting you but if we can just hold out and Mm -hmm. we can do this right we could you know rule over all of this this could all be ours and so he's playing a long game that not many um, Viking opponents that Alfred has had um, has been able to play. I think even even Guthrum and Ubba and to an extent were kind of ruled by their bloodlust and that kind of Viking urge to just conquer, conquer, conquer
1: right. You know, and Eric does have that urge to conquer, but he also has a real sense of honor and doing things the right way. So, you know, he talks when he's talking to Siegfried about, you know, Uhtred obviously knows that the corpse was a trick. Um, And I think he feels a little bit of shame over how they tried to manipulate him instead of just being straightforward with their intentions. Like, I know there has to be a certain amount of manipulation in warfare and playing things close to your chest and whatnot. But Eric... I think he knows that that was a cheap move, and that's not how he wants to win this war.
0: Yeah, Eric's a good dude, you guys.
1: Right, so. <laughs> as 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 good as a you know warlord as as trying to conquer can be.
0: <laughs> um, but we do need to have a have a chat about this London situation. So when so when everyone gathers, um, crucifixions
1: going on, crucifixions
0: legs. happening. We don't like the priests there, I guess. And Uhtred kind of convinces Siegfried to to have this, like, one-on-one fight for this priest to fight for his freedom instead of just being strung up on a cross and, like, left to die for days. Right. Well,
1: because Uhtred met that priest in the last episode with Bayaka, and he found out that this priest was actually, like, a renowned warrior. So he knows when he's like, hey, how about you guys do hand-to-hand combat instead of crucifying him? He knows that he's given the priest Pulig a shot to survive. Right.
0: And which is which is very, very nice. Classic. My Itrad. issue. Yeah. My issue is, you know, I like we're bringing in the Roman history. We're talking about the Roman squares. You mm-hmm. know, I like that, Alyssa. Yeah. Make the square. Make the square. But <laughs> why is everyone so fucking dirty in this city? <laughs> like that dude, the Viking that they send to, like, fight the priest. Covered in just filth. Like, yeah. Covered. I mean, like, he's rolled around in a like pig pen and well, then just got up without
1: the access to free you know fresh water it's a bigger like i think everybody's just filthier in the cities you know because even gisela at the beginning of the episode mentions that she doesn't feel clean in this water because they're so close to west west westchester and you know he's like no we're far enough from the city it's fine so you're just with that many people Without a proper waste removal system, you're just going to be filthier in a city than you are living in the country.
0: I would die, like, within a matter of weeks. Sure. I mean, I would just... Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. <sighs> Disgusting.
1: But anyway, so Pielig wins his fight. He gets to leave with Uhtred. And, you know, Utrid and Athelred now know that they aren't just going to be bought off with silver. They want to fight.
0: Which means that this kind of rift between Alfred and Uhtred, it really feels like a breakup episode, this episode. It is.
1: (laughs) is. You know, it's crazy. You know, we put so much, you know, we put so much value on romantic love, but these kind of platonic friendships, and even if they're, you know, contentious, I'm trying to say a word that i don't think exists say it they are (laughs) there's there's a lot of contention in the relationship between alfred and utrid but they've been they've known each other for you know a decade or more now like there's there is a bond whether they like it or not and it's like that kind of breaking of a relationship can be just as profound as any romantic breakup or more so
0: lord i'm weary of this you are weary of this You say you are sworn, yet you behave like a spy. You float into Danelander back again. You tell half-truths, keep secrets, and you refuse to accept the existence of the one true God.
1: You serve your king reluctantly. But I serve, Lord. I do not know you, and I can never know you. I... I do not understand you.
0: And I will never understand you. That is a fact and one of increasing concern.
1: He's like, I don't know you. I can never know you. I don't understand you. And I will never understand you. And he shuts him out. And they're like, all right, we're going to do this without Uhtred and Ada and Sayapa. No, that's a terrible idea. But Alfred thinks he can do it without Alfred or without Uhtred because he's stupid.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because he's and here's the thing. I mean, he's enjoying this, you know, this kind of reign of things are going pretty well. I mean, he's he's got to deal with the brothers, but Mm -hmm. Things are going marginally better than they were, you know, when we first started the show, yeah. and I think that Alfred has gotten a little comfortable. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's been able to rely on Uhtred for a lot, and now it's you know with this kind of break in this burning bridge mm-hmm. that he's you know lighting on fire. It's like, dude, do you not realize you don't have anyone to take his place? Right. Like, there's there's no Uhtred like for you waiting in the wings that's, you know, as pious as you are. Like, you're going to have to figure this out on your own if you're not going to rely on him. Mm-hmm. Promise me you won't desert him. Not yet, at least.
1: I'm not an earthbreaker. How can I serve a man who doesn't trust me, to whom I have given so much? All he can see is how I'm different. All I see in him is his piety.
0: I think for Utred, being kind of thrown to the side and, and especially when he has to take orders from Ethelred, like that. The worst. Right. And you such know, a you can,
1: yeah, it's awful. And you can see that conflict in him because he knows that he's not an oath breaker and he is an honorable man. But, you know, he says, How do I serve someone who does not trust me? And that is really a difficult spot to be in because you, you can't, like, you can sort of muddle through, but you're never going to have success without a higher level of trust than they've got now. And so, you know, it's awful. It's, it's awful. It's
0: terrible. I mean, it's... Yeah. Because they're kind of at this stalemate where it's like, mm-hmm. he's not going to release him from his service because he knows he's still valuable to him. But he's right. not... He doesn't trust him enough to really harness all of that value. And for Uhtred, it's... He's not going to break his oath because that's not who he is. But now he's um, stuck, you know, serving this guy who doesn't trust him, who he doesn't feel... Appreciated um, by. And then he's having to take orders from this like snotty nosed little brat who is just such a not someone he would want to associate with if he could help it. And so it's like, I feel they've really, even though this is Alfred's like doing, I think they're both suffering because of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, ev- I feel like everybody's suffering right now. God. Everybody that I care about, because, you know, Aethelf- we see a little bit more of Athel and Athelred's marriage, and he's obviously just being relentlessly cruel to her. And you know, she's trying to be a good wife, and she's trying to you know be helpful, but he's just cruel all the time. And you he's know, she the says worst. he
0: accused he's her of awful. not being a virgin when they they
1: got married. Yes, and he, you know, she says something love should be gentle and kind, and it's just it's such an obvious statement. Like yes that's something that everybody knows love should be gentle and kind. And he immediately takes that as, Oh, you've had sex with other dudes who are better at that than me, or at least different than me. So this is a problem and it's awful. And, you know, I liked, this was another moment that I liked with Bayaka in this episode is, you know, they go to Cookham to see Uhtred and sort of, you know, take him on to go take back London with their terrible idea. And, you know, he talked, you know, Atherwood talks to Bianca and is like, Hey, is there a way to check if she was a virgin before me? Which is an insane thing. There's like,
0: not. <laughs> like that's,
1: that's insane. There's no way to check. Like it's,
0: anyway. I get that. Like we weren't like geniuses about anatomy at that point. Point in time, but it's like, you've already had sex with her, dude. Like, you've.
1: Right. He's already had sex with her. And you know what? It's a scrunchie, not a piece of cellophane. So there's not (laughs) a way to check. So whatever. But yeah, clearly, you know, nobody's taken anatomy lessons, but I liked that even Bayaka was like, wow, this is bullshit. This is She's, fucked this up. This is bad. And, you know, he's doing this, you know, this ritual or whatever with Tara and Hild and he gets about halfway through and he's like, you know what? this. Is beneath all, this is beneath all of us. <laughs> Slaps
0: that cup away. <laughs> right, right. And it just, you know, he Which just, what would uh, that have done to her if she had drank it? Because it was I water. Mean, it was just and water dirt. and dirt.
1: So like she would have been fine. They were they're talking about like something would swell and her stomach would rot or something disgusting like that if she was you know impure or whatever. Ugh. But you know I ugh. yeah Beelka agrees. He thinks it's bullshit too, and it's just was, so demeaning. It it was incredibly demeaning, and so he was the male ally of this episode, and put a stop to it, and just lied to Athelred and said she's fine. So. I mean,
0: I'm shocked. Like, who would have predicted that Bioka would be the male ally? Um is
1: a good influence on him. <laughs> I think she's so. A good, she's a good influence on him. So he's pulling the classic. Well, I have sisters and a wife, so of course there I we respect go. women. <laughs> he's starting oh, to view them God. as people now now that he knows a couple
0: <laughs> that's
1: great <laughs> yeah yeah um so that's what so it yeah. takes apparently so i guess so yeah they uh they all go off to london tira and fled are sort of staying in a camp which just seems like it's just a bad idea just Deal with some separation anxiety and stay where it's safe instead of being, oh, it's fine, a mile away from the castle or whatever. We'll be fine here. No, you won't be fine.
0: Like for with Ethelflaed, I think it's a control thing. You know, Mm Ethelred is like because she questions. She's like, you want me to come like to war? And he's like only halfway because he wants to dictate where she goes and when and, and all of that just kind of bullshit that abusers um, really dig I think for Tira I think I could see it being a thing of like well Athelflaed is going I'm not going to let her go alone you know because as we've said like Tira is just such a kind sweet person she's
1: very empathetic and she recognizes the signs of abuse yes you know she knows that things are not good for her and she's just such a boon to her and it's really a beautiful dynamic to watch. And uh, Tira, I love her. Um, she is
0: the best. And there's there's a point when they're uh, so <clears throat> they get to London, mm-hmm. they do this kind of uh uh three-sided attack that they have planned. Um they get into the city and it's just I mean it's deserted. There's they don't run into Eric and Siegfried and their crew like they think they're going to
1: and Athelred is so stupid because he immediately assumes that, oh, they fled. They aren't pulling a trick on us and are going to ambush us. No, they were so terrified by our massive army that they completely left without a fight.
0: Like, Despite you think every... someone was scared
1: of you, dude? You? <laughs> right. And it's, you know, it's one of those things like, did he not pay attention at all when they visited them and met them and spoke to them? That is so counterintuitive to everything that... Siegfried and Eric have communicated, and so for him to fall for that so immediately it was just like, "Ugh, you're the worst."
0: The biggest of eye rolls. Um, but yeah, so they're they don't kind of run into what they're expecting to run into um, because and Uhtred
1: it, figures it out right away. Oh yeah, he's because like, he's oh shit.
0: He's, he's, he's seasoned. He is yeah. seasoned. He's been exactly. through this. He knows. He has the
1: experience.
0: God, just listen to Uhtred, people. It's not that hard. When mm. we're talking about battlefield strategy and how we should kind of approach things when it comes to warfare, like
1: listen to Uhtred. This should
0: be the only opinion you value, because yeah, there's no way Ethelred knows what he's talking about. Um,
1: he doesn't, and, and so yeah. They uh, instead of waiting in the castle, they go and attack the camp and take prisoners, and it's devastating. Yeah, actually, I really like yeah. the way that it was shot, though. I, I mean, like, I know it's gonna happen, but like a lot of people die, and I like how it's shot, though. It's very chaotic, and it really heightens the sort of feelings of fear that Tira especially is feeling. And so, yeah, that that whole scene at the end, I thought was really well done.
0: Yeah, I loved that we kind of took that first person point of view, like we when we followed Tira and she's trying to get Ethelfled and and get to the woods because she knows like that's who they're going to be coming for. And yeah, again, I mean. We do so many Game of Thrones references, but it's it reminded me so much of Battle of the Bastards. Sure, um, where it was just yeah, just in the thick of it, yeah. Because you can watch it from a distance and be like, "Oh, that looks crazy," you know. But then when you're like, when they allow you to be in it like that, it's just you can just imagine how overwhelming and how terrifying it was, and the Mm -hmm. fact that Tira is able to kind of keep a, a calm head and say I need to find out the flood we need to get to the woods like she's you know she's been through something like this before and she she's prepared and knows what she has to do but it's still like so frightening and i think there's a moment when she's she realizes that they're coming for the camp and she just starts chanting uh death is, death coming! is coming and i'm just yeah, like oh my god it was chilling
1: death is coming
0: She's trying to wake up all the drunken soldiers and and get everyone out. If you are
1: that close to a battle, that's not the time to get blackout drunk. It's just not. I know you're not going to be like in it, but still. Jesus.
0: Put down the ale. Right. Like, do your fucking job. Do your
1: job. But yeah, it's awful. They get taken. End of episode. It's a lot.
0: End of episode. And it's terrifying. So we know what's going to happen. But to, to follow... Ethel fled into the woods and that last shot, where it's just the brothers like coming so up menacing. on So menacing.
1: So, so menacing. That was scary. Yeah. You know? Like
0: that's nightmare inducing. Yeah. like Ugh. Chills. It's a lot.
1: Okay. It's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks.
0: So now it's time for our next episode, Wishes. This is when we assure demands for the upcoming episodes, like the spoiled toddlers that we are. Here's what we want to see, when we want to see it, and why we won't be denied. Alyssa, what are you looking forward to next episode? Um, I feel a little
1: guilty because this is at the expense of Athelflaed, but I'm ready for Alfred to eat some crow. You know, he's <laughs> so he's so dismissive of Uhtred and, you know, is so awful to him. And, of course, by shutting him out, it went badly. So I know this is never going to happen, but I'm ready for people to give Uhtred some credit. You know, they clearly cannot do this without him. And Alfred really blew it in his first act as kind of a, a would-be king, you know. And so I want Alfred to sort of realize that he, he put his eggs in the wrong basket there. And I'm ready for him to be apologetic. <laughs>
0: Yeah, could we get um, a shame nun to like come out and ring the bell? Ring the bell for Alfred, (laughs) who
1: sacrificed his daughter to a supremely shitty husband. So
0: yeah, yeah, I'm down with that. I think for me... I mean, you know what's coming. I know. I know what's coming. She's killing know. me. It's so good. Uh, uh, the brothers have captured Ethelflaed, and I am ready to see our sweet Danish cream puff properly woo his princess. Just it's I mean, so It's so just... good. It's so
1: good. I can't wait to see it.
0: God. Okay, anyway. She's suffered through enough, and she has a shit husband, and she deserves this romance and this, this time to herself. And so... You know she's gonna go through it it's I mean she's still a prisoner it's not like she's gonna be living cushy but uh, you know I think it's anything is better than
1: Athelred honestly at this point anything Anything is better
0: yeah I think she feels that too Um, sure but yeah Eric is a major improvement so bring it on bring it
1: on So the last kingdom has a massive cast of interesting characters and nearly everyone gets their time to shine. Our arsling of the episode is the character who truly goes above and beyond to win the war or simply win our hearts. I think I can guess, but um <laughs> who, who is your arsling of the episode,
0: Jessica? Oh, I feel like I'm pre- I'm becoming like predictable. I need to like no. really throw you no. I need to throw you for a loop. <laughs> um but I'm not going to this episode. It's Eric, of course. The best. Um He's such. It, again, I think it's because he reminds me a lot of Utrid with this kind of moral compass that he has, mm-hmm. and I mean, especially when you put him up against his brother, he's just such the, such a better option. Mm-hmm. But while Siegfried is kind of moaning over the loss of his hand and the fact that they aren't killing more Saxons and all this bullshit, Eric's Eric's playing the long game, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that he's patient. He's he's got a strategy going on. You know, I would not be surprised if the whole let's leave london and attack that camp and make them think we just kind of bailed was his idea because he just seems like a smart dude and someone who will play the game you know he'll sacrifice the least to gain the most and yeah i like a viking warrior who also has a brain
1: i get it brain and brawn what more do you want
0: I mean, the whole package. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go with
1: Bayaka this episode with an assist from Tira. You know, um, Bayaka knew what Athelflaed wanted was a bunch of sexist bullshit. And he he actually put a stop to it. Instead of just, like, being pained and going along with it, like, Alfred, he took a stand. And he wanted Athelflaed to tell, you know, her dad about the abuse. But because of how she's been raised and how she's been conditioned, you know, she believes that it's her duty. But Bayaka, like, he just... He saw that something was wrong and did what he could to fix it. And I feel like not enough people do that. He is not uh, tender or loving. Father Bjorka must tell the king. No, you cannot. The king is the only man who can end it. God put an end to this ordeal before it had begun. Not all in mercy are friends of Wessex. Not all are happy with the king's influence. And I must do my duty to Alfred my husband will not break me. And I, you know, again like I loved seeing Tira interacting with fled. like she's been through so much and sees so much and her gentleness just it floors me every time. So, I stand a kind couple.
0: I mean, be kind. Like that's yeah. that's the sexiest thing you could be is kind. <laughs> it's the best. Um yeah, Very they're narrated. S- they're so sweet and it's it's really sweet to see that how Tira has influenced Bioka uh, just from, you know, I mean, I remember him at the end of season one when Isolde saved the baby and he came in and we were just like dude just uh, sit down like read the room
1: and yeah, go yeah just
0: shouting all about God and we're like come on man give us a break and now he's you know refusing to do something that I think normally maybe season one Bioka would have done yeah so yeah he's there's growth there and you know what yeah. I like it
1: growth is beautiful
0: Get ready to shame none, the worst character of the episode with us. It doesn't matter if you're a Saxon or a Dane. Anyone can be a turd, and we're calling out the biggest one of the episode. So, Alyssa, who are you just, like, fucking hating this episode?
1: Okay. You know, we've talked a lot about Athelred and how we hate him, and he's terrible. You know, no disagreements there. But I am just—I'm so frustrated by Alfred because I know that he knows better. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. he hands off his daughter to a man that he knows is evil— like he may not have proof but in his heart he knows that Athelred is a wicked man but he still refuses to trust Uhtred because of this different differing religion and he trusts Athelred because they have the same religion like he says constantly he's a godly man it'll be fine but it's not and you know in this Alf- episode like Alfred is just a user like he's going to use Uhtred until he's not convenient he's going to use Athelflæd until you know it goes south like he he is sort of collecting people that are useful to him and will turn on them in a moment, and that I just is such terrible behavior, and I can't condone it. So, turd of the week for me is Alfred for sure.
0: Yeah, not very kingly of you. No, did. I mean, you're not supposed very to kingly. Want to amass allies and really gain loyalty, and but you're keep picking it. the wrong
1: people.
0: Yeah, and it's so weird because Alfred is not stupid. Alfred right. is a very smart
1: man. He's ambitious and that's sort of clouding his better judgment right now.
0: I, I think it's, yeah, I think, again, and it's always been this, it's the pool between that ambition and then, you know, having to check himself with his religion. That's mm-hmm. always going to be Alfred's problem, but yeah. he, really, he really loses that battle this episode and, yeah, he's fucked himself over. He's got no one else to blame, so mm-hmm. Alfred is a worthy turd. I think the only one that could kind of compete with him this episode is ethelred i get it um i mean just the dude's a pig he's a misogynist you rape your night uh, your wife on your wedding night you accuse her of not being a virgin before you know you guys got married even though she's she's the king's daughter like she is it's not like she's just running the fucking streets over here like come on dude right And, and you put her through some kind of like bogus religious trial really just to embarrass her i mean he wasn't expecting anything to come of it i don't think i think he was just shame. it's just another it's just way shame. to abuse yeah it's yes. another form of abuse and ethelred is i don't get why he's such a dick but he is and yeah. ethelfla does not deserve it so she does not He's my turd of of the week, probably of the entire season. Uh, just and in into ne- mind and deficit. into next season, he's yeah.
1: terrible forever.
0: Yeah. Whenever they kill this dude, I will be the first to kind of cheer. It? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Drink some ale. Yeah. Just really go all out because he's an asshole. Yeah. Agreed.
1: Now, this is clearly a very serious podcast about a very serious show, but sometimes it's nice to indulge in a little thirst. It's 2019, the world is on fire, and honestly, we deserve this. So this is our time to celebrate the thirstiest moments that really blew our skirts up this episode. Jessica, how are you feeling? Like, it's not the sexiest, but I feel like there's one nice moment that we can talk about.
0: Yeah, so that's the beginning of the episode for me. Um which I was I was really thankful for Uhtred and Gisla's kind of little uh, skinny dipping scene um, to start off this episode. It's not, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like thirst. and There's a quality in this relationship. It's crazy how that affects things. Yeah, yeah, it's Real, great. It feels like, you know, how a couple who've been together for a while would relate to each other and interact if they had some time to themselves. It kind of washes out a little bit the bad taste of Ethelred, and just how terrible he is to see you know these two people who are obviously really in love sharing some time they deserve it i wish you know gisela could have had a whole lazy morning without being kind of interrupted by Dix, who said some really terrible things to her yeah but um yeah plus always a a shirtless sutured is is always welcome so, sure. No complaints.
1: Yeah. You know, Uhtred and Gisela have such a beautiful relationship. You know, like they're a team. They're hot for each other. And they always have each other's backs, which I love. Like Uhtred is already always ready to go to the mat for her. And she is always there supporting him. And, you know, what more do you want? You know, they're and I think especially in this episode, you can kind of see how their relationship is such a stark contrast to Athelred and Aethelflaed at this point. And, you know, I'm just I'm horny for this level of emotional health.
0: All right, guys. Um, It's safe to say that we have never been accused of being unenthusiastic in our fandom. We annoy our friends, our family members, and now you are devoted listeners. Welcome to Geek Out, where we will offer up our humble suggestions about what we think you should be watching and reading. Yeah. Alyssa, what are you kind of standing this week?
1: Okay, so we haven't recorded in a little while, so this is a little bit late. But we have got to talk about the Succession finale.
0: Look, we've been patient and now we get to really dive into this. Yeah, so,
1: it was insane. Oh my god. Okay, so if you watch Succession and somehow haven't watched the finale yet, turn it off because or turn this off because we need to discuss the Kendall Roy growing a backbone. I've been waiting for it for 2 seasons and now he's there. He's going to take down his dad and I just when when he's, you know, giving that prepared speech and then he kind of pauses And says, but. I was like, Uh, (gasps) yes! "Ah!" It was too
0: much. I freaked out. I freaked out. Look, this show, the show's so good. But that entire episode, there's just the tension the mounting tension all episode. They're on this boat, they're trying to figure out who are we gonna sacrifice, you know, who's gonna be the pig led to slaughter. And you can just feel everyone getting more and more antsy. And then when it's when it's kind of agreed on that it's gonna be Kendall, do you, you know th- everyone's okay. like, oh I
1: you have, know. I have questions about that. Do you think before before I okay, I wanna know when you think Kendall made his choice to betray his dad.
0: So I think that it was – I think he knew that it was coming uh-huh. um, when his – like, I think he was expecting his dad to tell him it was going to be him. Yeah. And I think at, at that point – at some point in that conversation is when he decided. Like, I yeah. I don't think it was a spur-of-the-moment thing.
1: No, but I think what really pushed him to it was that final conversation. Like, Like you said, when he told his dad – or when his dad told him that it was going to be him, and when he asked him, you know – was it ever going to be me to get the CEO position? And mm. his dad was like, no, you're not a killer. You're not a killer. You're I not a killer. Yeah. And that was like, all right, if I'm not a killer, I will show you that I am actually a killer. And he's I a literal
0: killer. He's literal. literal.
1: <laughs> right. Ooh. Yeah. Well, and I think it was such an interesting like swapping of positions for like him and for Shiv because Kendall, you know, is he's so... You know, he's so beaten down by his father that he'll do... He's a daddy's boy. He is. And he'll do anything to sort of please him. And he isn't afraid to, like, prostrate himself in front of his dad to, like, get what he needs from him. And Shiv is always, you know, sort of, like, stood up straight. And she's done what she's had to do. And she's so ruthless. Except in this episode where she can't quite turn on Tom. Mm. And so she begs her dad... Please don't let it be Tom. And I think that Logan probably saw as a weakness in her. And yeah. so that was a big, that's going to be a real schism in their relationship. Also, like, you know, she didn't say make it Kendall, but the only other option other than Kendall was Tom. So for her to be like, not Tom, she's basically saying, yeah, let's, Kendall. let's do Kendall. Yeah. And so that, like, there's just, there's going to be so much fallout in the next season, and I cannot
0: wait. It's going to be crazy, and honestly, I'm going to be pissed. I know that this is how they're going to react, but like, if 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 Shiv and, and Roman are like, "Oh fuck you, man!" Like, how could you do this to Dad? I'm just you know, going to lose it. Like, I come think, on, guys. Well,
1: because okay, so Shiv, I think will be more upset with Kendall because there was there was a lo- there were a few moments in this episode that I think really drove home the bond between Kendall and Roman mm. and you know I you know cuz like when when um Logan tells Roman you're going to be CEO by yourself now and he kind of looks at Kendall and he's like is that okay and Kendall's like yes this is a good thing like you've earned this and there were just there were moments like that and you know Roman was kind of the only one to stick up for Kendall and mm-hmm. I just I I hope that this pushes them together into being opposed to their father together you know the two of them and greg against Logan.
0: <laughs> but what a I just, team up.
1: man i knew you know it's one of those things like i knew that you know, having those papers was going to be a big deal. Like it was like Chekhov's documents and I yeah. was just waiting for the gun to go off. And for him, cause you know, he told Kendall at the end of last season that I have some of this stuff and I'm just kind of waiting to use it. And Kendall, you know, Kendall must've reached out for him to him and been like, Hey, do you still have that stuff? Let's use it. And so that I think is the ascension of Greg the egg is going to be so good.
0: God, it's just so interesting because dynamics have really shifted. Like, that season finale, I mean, I think the big one was Kendall standing up to his dad, and so it's definitely going to, that's going to fuel next season. But to see these kind of sides being taken already, you know what I mean? It's just everything's kind of thrown up in the air. Yeah, Yeah. we don't know, we don't really know who's going to land on which side. And, um, yeah, God, I'm so fucking excited. I cannot wait. I know. We have so to wait good. so
1: long now, but it'll be fine. It'll be worth it. So, well, look, um,
0: in the meantime, you yeah. can watch another HBO show. Um, Watchmen came out last, well, yeah, like last week, I guess. Yeah, I think it was on um, Sunday, right? Yeah, I don't, but see, I don't know, I don't really understand the point of like kind of quantifying or qualifying like time because it's yeah. like, who knows when people are listening to this. Anyway, right. Watchmen's out. That's right. The pilot drop That's a fact. Yes. And, um, uh, it
1: was insane. Have you seen it? I haven't watched it yet. Ooh. I you know, I read the comic and it wasn't my favorite. like I understand its importance, but it's just a lot. and you know, the movie was so bad. and I Ugh. just I was so bad
0: that movie was terrible.
1: um, and I know that this is like a separate thing from that. It's sort of a continuation, more like a sequel,
0: right? Mm. yeah, so it's it's definitely a continuation um. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that you have to, in my opinion, because it's been a long time since I've seen the the Watchmen film, like, right. watching this pilot and not really, I didn't, like, go back and, like, um, recap that for myself or, like, kind of educate myself on what happened. I just kind of went in. So it's mm-hmm. almost like I was watching it without knowing. Yeah. I, I think that's, like, a more interesting way to approach it because it's a continuation you know so if you've watched the film if you read the comics there are some easter eggs uh, comics there's some easter eggs there and, and you'll kind of get them um but i don't think you have to i think it's almost better to treat it as a standalone because it's so different and it's it's very interesting it's um it's futuristic and yet it's so relevant to kind of where we are now and and the feelings that we have now I think as yeah. a culture as a society plus it's I mean Regina, Regina
1: King. King that was exactly what I was man. about to say she is so good and Woo! so oh
0: she's so good
1: she broke my heart in If Beale Street Could Talk last year like oh, just my God. cut me open she was so good she's so good in everything
0: shout out to like you know everyone involved with this show to see I, I feel like Regina King gets passed over a lot like she's mm you know, under the radar um, for the kind of caliber actress that she is. Mm -hmm. And I think she's starting to get more recognition now. But she won an Oscar. So, yeah. Yeah. But like shout out to this show for being like, you know, what, we're going to we're going to she's going to be our lead. And this is going to be like a sci-fi, like futuristic fucking show. And she's going to be like our main like vigilante. Like that's I mean, that's just that's a big deal. Yeah. 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 She deserves it. I, I will
1: watch it. I it's yeah. on my list. I just Come haven't
0: watch for Regina King. She's yeah. wearing a badass outfit. She's kicking ass. It's pretty cool. There's a shootout in a cow field, so there's All a gross right. element. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, and Jeremy Irons is in it, and I'm pretty sure he's playing a bad guy. I still don't know, but just you know, is he is he Jeremy Irons? Is he playing Ozymandias? I think he is. Okay. I think he is. So okay. that he's not identified as such right. in the pilot, but the little there's like little hints and teases that just makes me think that's that's who he is. Uh sure. he's he's a fucking weirdo though and yeah. just to to hear like Jeremy Irons has a very distinct voice, you know. Scar, right. Yeah, yeah, so to hear like yeah, Picture Scar um like, you know, sitting naked and having a woman like massage his thigh while he's like typewriting like his play i mean it's just Uh, there's just some weird it's weird it's weird all right but good but good it's not like i still want to watch it it's not like predatory it's it's just it's weird yeah
1: yeah all right I will watch that's my, it. That's my <laughs> yeah, that's my pitch. Yeah. It's a, I don't think I that's mean, a honestly, good thing. <laughs> Regina King is enough of a Back pitch. To Regina
0: King. Yeah. Just yeah, black out everything I just said and just focus on Regina King.
1: Fair enough. Alright, guys. If you want to hear more of our bullshitting, check us out on Twitter or over at Sci-Fi Wear Fangirls. We've got links to everything below this episode. And until next time,
0: Destiny is all bitches.